Hello. You're listening to the KGFC Festival Talks podcast. I'm your host, Craig Horsley, and we are coming to you from the Kew Gardens Festival of Cinema. We're running from August 3rd to August 12th at the UA Midway in Forest Hills. That's on Queens Boulevard and Continental Avenue. And also the Queens Museum, located in Flushing Meadows, Corona Park. That's where the World's Fair was in 1965, and also where the iconic Unisphere is, still to this date. And today, we are speaking with David A. Gregory. He is in the uh, wonderful film Angel of Anywhere, and that's going to be seen at the Midway, Thursday, August 9th at 3.45 p.m. Hello. Welcome. Oh, thanks for having me, Craig. I appreciate it. So um, I don't like to describe the film because I don't want to give anything away. Right. So uh, can you describe the film for us? I'd be happy to. I was telling James Kicklighter, our director, um, as we were shooting it, I said, this seems to me like if Frank Capra made a movie about strippers, this would be the one. It's, um, there's a lot of heart in it. Um, from an outsider's perspective, when I was asked to do it, I thought, oh, you know, it's another part where I'm playing somebody without clothes on. And at first I thought, well, let's, uh, let's give it a little look because I know James. Uh, when I read it, I thought, well, there's, this is, it, it's secondary, the, the, the setting. And it seems to me that the characters that we see in this and how our lead, um, a man named Angel, sort of helps people through what he does. And I don't mean that jokingly. <laughs> um, He's sort of a, a caretaker, a, um, a mediator for people and helping them in their life. And there's a much deeper resonance because of that in this film. So, yeah, I would say if Frank Capra made a film about strippers, this would be it. Yeah, it was, it was a very interesting, uh, you know, you, f you look at the first scene and you say, where is this going? Yes, yeah. And uh, I, I looked at it as he was somebody who liked to fix things, not just yes. people, oh, but no, things. I'm glad you picked up on that. That was definitely purposeful. Yeah. And um, the more I thought about it afterwards, I was, I was trying to think, does his life need fixing? Uh -huh. And I didn't know if he, he knew he had goals, yeah. but I didn't know if he was on the right path for that and if he needed some help in along the way. It's interesting because um, in talking to Axel, who plays the role of Angel, I don't think this is um, speaking out of term to say that he himself has done this as a career. And uh, he said it's, it's business, but he said there are a lot of people that would try to fix you. You know, to be like, oh, well, we gotta get you out of here. And it's, as far as his perspective was concerned, I won't give away the city that he did it in, but he, he said, no, it's a career. And I was making a lot of money and I bought a home and I, I, I didn't need saving from that. And I think um, there's a, there's a weird split way of seeing that, and most of the time, I think it depends on the person who's looking at the situation. Whatever they're dealing with is whether or not they feel like, oh, this poor person, they're a stripper, they need to be fixed. Does that make sense? Uh, well, well, it's also a, a thing of don't judge a book by its cover. Absolutely, 100%. And so you're looking at somebody and saying, well, you know, he's just a stripper. Sure. Meanwhile, he seemed to have more of an act together than some of the people. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah. I think judge, don't judge a book by its cover is a really interesting way to look at it because he's almost a, um, not a doctor, but he's a, it's a, it's a, he's a caretaker in, yeah. a, in an interesting way. And it's, yeah, like a therapist. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, you'd think of a stripper being uh, somebody who's very physical, 
but he actually got into the emotions and the and the brains of the people he was around. Right. And that's what I think is really important because I think this is a film that can be assumed to be very uh, on the surface. And um, again, from an outsider's perspective, when I wasn't cast, asked to read it, I thought, oh yeah, I, I've seen this movie before. I have not seen this movie no. before. Not at all. And I'm really glad, not only that I did it, but I'm glad that... Um, that there is more weight to it. I think the script is absolutely incredible. And um, I think it's really well put together. I say that from an outsider's perspective, too, because right. I'm in awe of these, these people that have, have put this thing together. So um, the, the budget of the film is 35000 Yeah. Uh, needless to say, it wasn't spent on wardrobe. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I had a... I, I, unless the gold on my banana, banana <laughs> hammock was uh, real. Um, no, they... I'm sure they put that into uh, some more tactical elements, which shows in the film. The film yes. is very well made. So, so with uh, you know, we're talking about you know two fil- filmmakers out there. Yeah. Um, how many days did it take to film, and how long did it take between the last film day sure. and the last and when it was finally ready? Sure, that's a great question. Um, this was a one-two punch. We had a two-day shoot schedule. Um, I think the film clocked in at about 13 pages. I could be wrong. Maybe a little more. Um, just two locations, so we shot at Pig and Whistle, uh, a nice bar um, in Hollywood, and then there was a supermarket we also shot in that I did not um, shoot in. But uh, James Kicklighter, our director, our boy genius, our boy wonder, I compared him to Orson Welles. I think he's he's just incredible. He's also the kind of guy that gets on set and he's wearing a suit and tie, you know, very like George Cukor or um, Howard Hawks, a very old school way of looking at like I'm here and I'm leading this ship, so. I'm setting the tone, not only in how I act, but how I dress, because um, I respect that you all are here. Uh, So he shot this in two days, Jonathan Pope on camera, um, and he knocked it out. He edited it as well. In fact, I think he's nominated at this festival for his editing, and he knocked it out pretty fast. I think I saw a rough cut, which is hilarious because it wasn't rough at all. Right. I saw it, I would say, within a month, maybe even, give or take, a a week or so, but um, no, he was ready. He had I mean, a vision for this. I mean, it's amazing how uh, talking to the different people over this last week. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it takes three years from the last yeah. to the to the final version. Uh, some people have been able to do this on a computer in their own house. Absolutely. So uh, the tech the technology that's out there. It's is incredible. Am- is incredible. I mean, you know, you you hear a lot, especially festivals like this. I imagine uh, you know everybody's got an iPhone. There's no real excuse not to create a feature or your own content. And I think. While that's valid, you also, because so many people are doing it, it's also important to make sure that the content you are creating is good. And I think it helps that James also edited his own production. Right. Um, like I said, he had a, a killer DP on this that just shot it so beautifully. But James wasn't at the mercy of someone else's time when it came time to, for color correction and things like that. And that's just because he's a genius and he can do whatever he wants. Uh, I hope he's listening. So, um, is, so <laughs> had you seen some of his work before? I had seen this? a little bit. I, uh, he has a, 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 sounds weird to say, he's a very accessible reel on his IMDb. And because I didn't know him super well before we started, we knew each other socially, but not as um, artists. Um, I was like, yeah, I'll take a look at this. He's an elegant director, and he's so young. That's the other thing. He's, he's like I said, when I said this is like a Frank Capra doing a movie about strippers, he also has, um, he has such a... Uh, classic eye about things you know there's even no part of the film looks like it's the godfather and part of it looks like it's goodfellow you know what i mean it's it's very sleek and it's very hat tip to i forgot what your question was 
no, well, you've seen some of his work. <laughs> yes, so, yes. So, so he found you, you found him, or? Um, I guess it was 2016, I did a, uh, a show at the Hollywood Fringe with a buddy of mine, a good friend of mine named Adam Carr. And we were basically workshopping a one-man show that had seven people in it because he wanted other characters in the show. James came on to help with the script and kind of was watching it uh, with an eye to maybe turn it into a feature. And we just had a couple lunches together, a couple cups of coffee. And then he just called me one day uh, when I was back in New York and said, hey, can you come out to L.A. and, and shoot this with me? I thought, what? You want me to? I, I offered to audition. I think he took me up on that just to make a tape so that we could see what it is I might do. And uh, yeah. It was the rest is on screen, I guess. So for you, um, you were born in Alaska. Yes, yes. And I now you are a stripper. <laughs> now I'm a stripper. Well, you know, um, <laughs> somebody told me once that a typecast actor is still a working actor. And, you know, I, not what I thought I would be doing uh, growing up in Alaska, but that's not also all I've been doing. So, um, no, we know what you've been doing also. Yeah, 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 I yeah. Mean, um, you were in One Life to Live One for quite a while. Live. Yeah, yeah. It was my bread and butter for a couple of years. And um, I mean... Was that your first job in New York? No, or? no. I did a few things. I did a commercial in an episode of Law & Order like every good New York actor yes. does. And um, uh, for sure, One Life was kind of what gave me the springboard to sort of figure out how to work on camera and things like that. But, you know, that's also a genre where the, the fans are what keep you on the air. And so for me specifically... Um, I knew very early on I would be out of a job without the people that either came to the stage door or whatever. And th I realize it's a very powerful fan base. It still is today. Well, kudos other. to you. You were only there, s was supposed to be there for a few episodes. Yeah. A and then wound up being there for a few years. Yeah. yeah. And that's, again, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. That's, that's contingent on, on a fan base. And that's, I'm very happy that they took to me because it could have easily backfired, you know. Who's this new blood coming and we don't like him or whatever. And, um, They've been good to me. So you've done soap operas, you've yeah. done NTV uh, and, yeah. and um, film, sure. And you've done some theater also. I have done theater. The last thing I did was a production of um, Christopher Drang's great play, the um, Vanya and Sonia and Masha and Spike. Wh where was that? Did where that out at Hartford Stage. Okay, great and film. Uh, great, uh, great, uh, great play. play. Great play. It's really hard to mess it up. I was talking to somebody about this, and they said, "Well, but yeah, if you do it wrong, it's terrible." <laughs> and I was like, "Well, I've never seen anybody do it wrong, but..." That's a, that's a great role. You know, they basically, uh, Durang gives a young actor carte blanche to basically go nuts and and. What was what was the the, the character was the Spud Spike or Spike Spike, Spike, Spike yeah, yeah, right? He's this um, kind of a dippy airhead uh, Hollywood actor. You know, maybe you're playing against type a little there, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but it was good. I got a. Um, Connecticut Critics Circle nomination for it and um, cover of American Theater Magazine. It was a it was a good return to theater after not having done it in a while, and, and I'm anxious to go back and do some good. more of that. Yeah, yeah definitely. for sure. Are you based in New York now? I am. Okay, so yeah. any producers out there? We've got somebody. Oh, man, I'm your guy. I'm hungry. And, and, I, uh, and I saw your co-star last night on Broadway. Oh, uh, Tuck, yeah. Tuck Watt, yeah. He's the best. I got and a good story. Actually, there, there, were, there, was a, uh, there was a part for a dippy, uh, a dippy, dippy hot guy dippy in dippy that. Hot guy. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, uh, Tuck is a gr great story about him. So when I first started on One Life, he, most of my scenes were with him. The, the character that he played uh, was, uh, you know, as, uh, back and forth as a regular on the show. But he wanted his character wanted to do a, a reality show about 
the characters that he came in contact with. So it's like a show within a show. So I was hired to play the producer with the camera that was filming the quote-unquote reality show. And I remember a couple of my first days, I you know make a mistake with a line or let's go back. And for those of you that don't know, soap operas move very, very quickly. You're shooting yeah. 50 pages a day sometimes. And uh, there were a few times where I messed up a line. I thought, oh, no, they're going to fire me. This is it. And Tuck would announce to the room, uh, no, I gave him a bad cue. It's my fault. Let's, let's take it wow, again. Wow, so he's a very so giving he, actor. Yes, very much. He would take, um, take the heat so that I could not look yeah. like the bad guy. I will never forget that. And if I ever get a chance to do that for a, another actor, I, that's, I guess that's what you do. You send the elevator back down, right? It's, it's paying forward. Yes, absolutely. And absolutely. As, as you were saying uh, about uh, Capra film and this, yeah. this short, yeah. it's a wonderful life. It is a wonderful <laughs> and you life. And you have to keep on giving. I mean, we're lucky we get to do this. I, I, you know. Sometimes I'm with actors, we're waiting around on a set, and they're like, oh, I'm so bored. And like, yeah, but what are they doing? They're paying you to sit here. Yeah. Like, and you know your lines, you know. I mean, sure, nobody wants their time wasted, but we are lucky to get to, to work in this capacity, in any, in any capacity. So uh, every day is a good day. And I, that's where I see it. And, and there's so many other uh, opportunities for you, ho hopefully, in the future. So what do you, what do you have next coming um, up? I just shot this pilot called Melange. It's... Um, it's great. It's really cool. We're, uh, Tom Dangora wrote this wonderful script. Um, it's it's essentially a, a more modern day soap opera. Um, it takes it's centered around this um, gay bar in Manhattan that uh, the owner proprietor has just passed away, and so now it's kind of up for grabs as far as who's going to take it over. Uh, this cast is insane. It's Morgan Fairchild, uh, Scott Evans plays the young man who's going to take over the bar. Uh, Eileen Kristen from One Life to Live is on it. Um, Laith Andrew, Laith Ashley, excuse me, Laith Ashley's in it. Um, well, I'm in it, but I don't. I think I'm the weak link in that. Oh, chain. I'm sure not. <laughs> Diana DeGarmo plays my love interest. She's awesome, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's like this all-star cast, um, sort of a, a hodgepodge of, of famous soap actors. Um, you've got somebody like Morgan Fairchild who runs this whole gamut. Um, you've got Alex Newell who's from Glee. He's absolutely fabulous. I mean, there's there's some real talented people in there, and the script is good. So, so it so was a pilot, or it's a pilot, and we're looking to, to kind of shop it around. I think it's one of those things that could go on like Amazon Prime or like YouTube Red. I don't know if I'm able to drop those names, but yeah. I think it's that kind of show that that you know it's definitely genre, but it's also very um, current. You know right. what I mean? That we're dealing with a lot of um, issues that are happening today, and we're also doing it in kind of a tongue-in-cheek, soapy manner that I think. Keep I mean, it, wor it works. I mean, the thing is that people aren't watching soaps during the day. No, not anymore. But they're w seeing Devious Maids. With, yeah, uh, absolutely. So there, there are. The genre is still there. That's it's not going anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it, it's just the fact that uh, everybody's working during the day. Once DVR happened, you know, and uh, I, I would have occasionally, I'd have some people tell me, you know, oh, sorry, I don't watch your show. I'm usually at work during the day. I said, most people are. I know, I'm not watching right. it when it airs, but. But because of DVR and, and uh, I would also talk to a lot of people that would record them on their, um, you know, on their VCR and they. And what's it. what's a shame is that um, the things that replaced One Life to Live didn't last any longer than. They did I not. mean, they had. Um, <laughs> they did not. We're getting the <laughs> thumbs down. Yeah, the yeah. shoe became its own soap opera after a while. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Um, you know, there's a, there's always going to be politics involved, and that's I think anybody at this film festival will understand that that. When something ends up on screen, it is never, not only is it never easy, but it's also like so many things have to come together. And a lot of times it's money and it's politics. And then you're lucky if what you do see on screen is the vision that you started with in the beginning. 
I think that what makes this project, Angel of Anywhere, so special is that I think what they set out to make, they made. And I just happen to be a part of it. So I can step back and look at it from a third-party perspective and go, no, this is art, you know? I understand that that's a subjective thing, but, but I think there's very little question about um, the depth that's at play here. It's, it's pretty spectacular. So now you, uh, soap opera normally is a, I, I hate using this, keep no. on using that term, please, but. Please, that's what it is. Daytime <laughs> story. <laughs> yeah, daytime television. Daytime yeah, yeah, television. Yeah. Um, so that's more dramatic, but then you've done uh, Uncle, you know, Vanya. Vanya and Sonia, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. a comedy. What, yeah. What do you like? Well, here's the deal. I think I have, I've been asked to play roles based upon people's perception of me rather than my actual personality. And I feel like I thrive the most when I'm able to do things that represent more of, I'm pretty goofy, pretty animated, and I, and I know how to turn that down and do the thing that I'm supposed to do for camera. Um, you know, I'm the serious guy who talks like this, and you know, hey baby, how you doing? And so, while that's part of my job, I don't think that that's the guy, like th I think if I'm allowed to show the person that I really am, uh, I feel like that shows up better on the screen. Something that's a little bit more comedic or, or allows me to show more, more of my personality in that way, just a little goofier, which is how I am, I think translates better. So uh, there'll be time for yeah. either way. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. I'm, I'm not terribly worried about it. But I mean, Robert De Niro, who ever thought that he would be doing Meet Your Parents? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah After Raging Bull. <laughs> but also, that's, I mean, that just shows you, you know, you can call it range, but you can also say that that was already there. Right. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's got it. Well, um, so now this is going to be fil uh, shown at the UA Midway. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, big screen, beautiful screen. Have you seen uh, yourself on a big screen like that before? Uh, it's been a little while. I had a, <laughs> um, I had a very small part in a James L. Brooks film. Most of my scenes ended up on the cutting floor, cutting room floor. But um, I did go to the theater and see it, and I'm in it for maybe 30 seconds. But it's it's a very different seeing yeah. you know, your 30 foot version of yourself rather than. Uh, you know, a, a small screen. Right. Yeah. It's exciting, though. I don't it's going to be great. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a beautiful theater. Um, there are so many people who I've talked to this week that have never seen themselves on the big screen. Oh, how fun. And I, I think that's so cool. sit there and I say, I wish I had a camera to take a picture of their face yeah. when the they see them. The moment it happens. The moment it happens. Because that's something that you can never unsee, and it only happens once. Right. I mean, it, I, I, I don't know. I think I'm still enamored with this business, and I don't think you ever get over... Not that I love seeing myself on screen, but you never get over the joy that it brings you. Right. So, but there's only one time, you know, where that yep. first half, that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Good it's for it's them. It's Whoever you are out there, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, just one, one more thing. I know yeah. you, uh, uh, somehow you have a history with The Flash, John Oh, Wesley. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, long story short, John Wesley Ship played my father uh, for a few years on One Like to Live. Uh, when the show got canceled, I didn't see him for a little while. But then um, I had this idea to do an audio drama uh, pilot a couple years ago about a blind sheriff. So the whole idea is that the entire show takes place from the sheriff's perspective. So the audience is supposed to not see the action. So we're sort of re-legitimizing the audio uh, genre. Um, we did it as a podcast. It's seven episodes um, uh, about this blind sheriff's last week in office because of his... Uh, injury he's not able to see anymore uh, so I called John and I said hey would you mind coming in and doing this we'll just see what goes you know we did an ep a pilot episode we all were like let's do more you know this is really working and um, 
he's he's fantastic for those of you that don't know it's, i think it's one of the best things that he's ever done um he brings a lot of grace a lot of grit to the part um it's a true western we got um robert vaughn in, uh uh, about a year before he passed away to do one of the episodes, the last surviving member of the, at the time of the Magnificent Seven. And then in a recent episode that we recorded last year, uh, Ed Asner came in to play mm. my father. Wow. And he, he plays this old, um, this aging cowboy who's suffering from what at the time would have been diagnosed as Alzheimer's disease, but in 1860s Texas. We right. Were. And the reason why I crafted the show this way is because I wanted to make sure that we were addressing uh, current issues, but in the guise of a Western audio drama just to kind of um you know no, nobody wants to be beat over the head with the current political or cultural climate but i think it's it's going to permeate our art so it might as well use it um and alzheimer's is an important cause to me so i thought let me write an episode about this and that was the episode that put us on the map won us some awards and now we're off to the races and john is still playing our sheriff Terrific. it's really outstanding he does a wonderful job yeah so uh writer actor I appreciate that, Craig. Thank you very much. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, so uh, the film is being shown Thursday, August 9th at 3.45 at the UA Midway. title of it is Angel of Anywhere. We've been talking to David A. Gregory. And before we leave, I'd like to thank our wonderful sponsors, Blog Talk Radio, for providing an excellent platform for our podcasts. I'd also like to thank Atiz Cafe in Kew Gardens. It's our official festival lounge, and that's uh, where we are taping this right now. They uh, do wonderful organic coffee and tea. And for anyone out there who's in the area, uh, anybody who has a ticket or a badge uh, from the festival, they get 10% off their coffee and baked goods through uh, August 12th. Now, our, our festival is running from August 3rd to the 12th. So for uh, more information on and how you can purchase tickets to the festival, please check out our full lineup of films and events. Our website is www.qgardensfestivalofcinema.org. That's K-E-W, not the letter Q. qgardensfestivalofcinema.org. And thank you very much. This is Craig Horsley signing off. Bye. <laughs>